Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on Anna Shabina. Anna is the CEO of Remotivate, a recruitment agency that helps remote-friendly companies hire top remote senior-level talent. Today, we're talking all about hiring and doing it in a remote environment. So mostly, how can you get the same results out of interviewing candidates that you'll never sit down with and talk to -to face-to-face, either before you hire them or ever on the job? how you can leverage those remote interviews, those video and phone interviews to be effective and help you discover the top talent that you need for your business. And we're going to get down and dirty on some of our hiring tips that can help you be successful no matter whether you're hiring a remote team member or whether you're hiring someone for your in-person staff. So let's jump right into the conversation. Welcome, Anna. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Can you kick us off with introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about the business that you run? My name is Anna Shrabina, and for the last nine years, I have had the experience of doing operations and recruitment internationally with companies from all over the world. Uh, In the last three years, I've been doing it remotely, and in the last two years, I've been running a business specifically that helps online businesses hire remote staff. Uh, It's been an amazing experience. We're all still learning, my team and I. We're consistently uh, improving our processes, and it's been an amazing journey to help so many new online businesses all over the world. Yeah, that's so great. And so question, because you mentioned online businesses there at the end, but now I feel like we're at a point where more people are open to remote staff than have ever been before because they were forced to for the last few months. So do you find that more of your clients are online business or do you have a lot of brick and mortar businesses that can have remote staff coming your way as well? It's interesting. I would say Just because of my network, I'm in quite a lot of communities where it is online businesses, online entrepreneurs, the e-commerce, the agencies, uh, the drop shippers. So definitely a lot of online businesses, but due to this year and how so many companies are now thinking of, okay, I need extra help and I can't hire in the office. How do I do this remotely? I've had some interesting conversations. People are starting to go in that direction. They're a little bit more hesitant, not as open, but still super interested. And I've had conversations around, oh, social media manager. I could do that. We could hire that online or VAs or people that they can hire uh, for multiple reasons all around the world. So a lot of companies are now, oh, I can hire overseas. That's super interesting. That could be uh, an opportunity of discovering somebody new and, uh, and that has maybe a different background and culture and a different perspective that they wouldn't have had found in their own country. So super interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's it's so interesting and it's so great. Like the opportunities that you have once you take down those borders of someone has to be able to commute to the office. You have such a wider playing field of quality talent that you can hire. And then sometimes happier talent too, because people don't have to worry how far away they live from the office and they exactly. have to get a house in a certain place and then in conflict with where do the kids go to school versus how long their commute is and remote work just provides so many opportunities on both sides of the perspective of the employee and the employer. Yeah, absolutely. And it opens up so many doors that I feel like in opportunities, as you said, that people don't really have never even thought of or realized. I've had so many candidate conversations uh, where they were like, I decided to work remotely because and put in any reason due to COVID, due to uh, now my children are staying at home and I need to help them with homeschooling. But once they discover that, there's so many other things that come up. It's like, oh, well, I don't have to commute to work anymore. I don't have to spend all this money on, on sitting in my car in traffic and driving to work. I'm saving money. I'm able to travel more. I have more flexible hours. They usually start to work remotely for one reason, but all of these opportunities start opening up. And the same thing goes from an employer perspective. All of a sudden, they're able to save tons of money on overhead. They're able to uh, have a wider variety of candidates and applicants. I mean, we get, we posted, for example, for a project manager position and got over 600 applications. There is no such thing as headhunting in remote recruitment because we don't need to go hunt for some amazing candidate. We get hundreds of candidates applying um, that are looking for opportunities that are amazing candidates. So it's definitely a unique experience and it's still a learning experience for a lot of companies and candidates, but we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. We're teaching, we're teaching the space. <laughs> Yeah, so that learning experience, that is something that I want to talk more about. I was helping someone interview for a position, I think it was June, July timeframe. So they, it was remote, their whole entire company is remote, but we, one of the questions that we were asking candidates was how they adapt to working from home. Because at this point in time, with the position we were hiring for, chances are they were working remotely due to COVID, that they were no longer going into an office. And it was, it was an interesting question because I was surprised when candidates were so candid with the fact that they had such big struggles learning to work remotely. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, you're in an interview talking of, like, for a remote position and now you're telling me that you're struggling. But I'm like, thank you for being honest because we know, yep, you're probably not the right fit. But what do you do in your interviews to make sure that someone has the ability to be a remote worker? That is so interesting uh, of a question because a lot of the times uh, you kind of answered your own question in the sense that candidates will be able to tell you usually up front and there will be different clues. I always say that an interviewer is kind of like a detective because you pick up on these different phrases and different uh, pieces of information that candidates share and they talk about uh, if they're talking about struggles, as you said, regarding remote work. We also talk about time tracking. I personally am not a big believer in time tracking. It is different business to business. But personally, I do believe in results-oriented work versus time-oriented work. And though I do believe in that, it's interesting when a person says, oh, but I don't like to be time-tracked. I can do so many things without having my time tracked. It does 
one thing when an employer offers that, but when a candidate brings that up, it does mean that they're uncomfortable with having their time track, that they don't, they might be withholding some information. Um, so there are little hints. I always say there's, there's always these little hints and things that they drop that shows that they might not be a good fit. And what's interesting about what we do is we're usually looking at full-time staff or even part-time to full-time staff. So we're actually not going out and looking for just project-based candidates. We're looking at candidates that will be around and helping uh, or working on the team for years to come. I mean, obviously things move very quickly and things change quickly, but we are looking for somebody motivated to stay for the long term. And so motivation is something that really, uh, again, will they be able to work online? And you can pick that up from their previous experiences. So one of the things that we would ask is like, have you had previous uh, work remote experience have how was that for you um were you, were you tracking your time or was it results based how were the results and this is where references sometimes come in we're able to get their perspective and we even ask around okay well how will your manager how will your manager uh, rate you or how would they give some feedback around your work because we're definitely going to be reaching out and it's interesting to hear the story starts to change a little bit because all of a sudden they're like oh well if you're going to be reaching out let me tell you <laughs> let me tell so, you the truth exactly yeah. so you, you really do get to learn a lot um if you you really listen and dig a little bit deeper in their responses right and asking the right questions to begin with Absolutely. i know that's one of the things i find with just interviewing in general whether it's remote position in person position is most people do not know how to figure out what questions to ask during an interview. They're just like, they do a quick Google search of like most popular questions to ask and they stick with those. And yeah. I'm always like, no, no, yeah. it's probably not going to tell you what you need. Absolutely. It's actually quite interesting because I feel like, and you'll probably agree with this, the remote space in terms of recruitment, recruitment is still done by a lot of companies very old school so there is usually a list of questions that you have to go through what is your strength what is your weakness there's these like standard questions and i was actually recently training a hiring manager of ours and this question this conversation came up during one of the interviews she was kind of going through question by question but what's interesting is i often am able to and we've talked about this with her go a little bit deeper into some of the questions and other those other things will come up their weaknesses and strengths will come up when you dig a little bit deeper into the conversation. So for example, a candidate might have that they just started a job two months ago and I'll, I'll ask, okay, well, why are you applying if, you, if you're currently working somewhere? And usually they'll have some sort of response and from there I'll be like, oh, well, do you enjoy working at the company? I mean, is there something that's, you know, not comfortable for you? Because we want to make sure you're comfortable here. And you go down this rabbit hole and honestly, you can get through so many questions and learn the answer to the usual kind of surface level questions you'd ask by just going down a few rabbit holes you'll learn so much and i feel like that is not really a common practice when it comes to how to properly interview standard questions right no i 100 percent agree with that i know from my clients when i write out their interview guides typically we start with i always say we don't want to lead the candidate to the answer that we want so the question might be a little bit more broad and then we'll sometimes have one or two follow-up questions be like okay they might answer with something that we want to know they might not now how do we start taking them down the path we want to get everything that we need out of that answer Absolutely. but i always say don't lead the witness but follow up yeah, something interesting on that account uh, is 
at times, I feel like a lot of hiring managers will definitely try to help candidates, for example, with responses. So if they see that a candidate is struggling or they're going and rambling off and like to cut them off. I personally like to see how long they'll ramble for. I mean, I know that's, it's a little mean, but honestly, it shows how aware of the, are they of their environment, how aware of their communication skills and being able to be under a stressful situation where you won't have a lot of help and support. And though I am super friendly in interviews, I kind of let them just go on and see and see how long it lasts. I've honestly had a candidate go on for 20 minutes. I mean, no, no joke. It was, it was quite interesting. They decided to answer all my questions without me even asking. I mean, they, they didn't pass the interview, but it was an interesting experience. And it definitely, when you allow candidates to just share and be, you'll learn a ton. So I completely agree with you in that sense. Right. No, exactly. That is funny. Like someone going 20 minutes. I've had some people that have been pretty lengthy with their answers. And, and I agree. Sometimes I'll let them go to the point where I'm just like, okay, I'm done listening. Now we need to move yeah. on. Especially like, some people are just talkers and they'll prov everything they're providing you is something of value. So you're like, okay, this person really knows what they're talking about. They're providing things of value, but I need to be able to report back to my client that I'm doing these interviews for. Can they do everything? Like, have they checked all the boxes? So we need to move on to that next question. But. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, but at the end of the day, if that is also, um, that is an ability you're also looking for. And especially with remote recruitment, they need to have, and I'm talking about any candidate you're hiring for, they need to have the appropriate and right and good communication skills and being able to have a good, clear response and being aware of that good and clear response is going to be a huge skill to have when you're getting on calls and all of that, because you are not in the office. You need a clear, fast uh, update, understanding, whatever it is. And a lot of candidates, they don't know that. And that also ties in with how do you know if a candidate is right for a remote position? Communication skills is a big one. Right. Yes, definitely. So before we go too far down the rabbit hole ourselves with just chatting, I know you were mentioning before we got on the call that you have a five-step process to, for really structured remote recruiting to make sure that you are getting the right person. Tell us more about that. Absolutely. So what the, we've actually developed out, and this comes from all of my years of doing recruitment and uh, being in different companies and seeing how different companies do it and what works and what, uh, what doesn't. We've developed this five-step uh, hiring funnel, as we call it, which is pretty much a step-by-step -step process candidates need to go through for for any position to be able to get to the interview phase. And what's interesting is a lot of companies might have a CV and then an interview. So they'll go through a ton of different CVs or resumes and they'll pick out a few candidates that really stand out based on their experience from their background and things like that. Well, actually, when we just started out the business, we didn't ask for a CV. We actually looked at completely different, our entire process took care of that, of collecting all the information we needed without CVs. Obviously now we do collect that and it's a good piece of information to have, but it, it's not a priority. So what we've developed out that really works for us pretty much for any position, and of course we're tweaking it uh, from position to position 
based on what the needs are and the requirements is a questionnaire. So a detailed questionnaire of work expectations, work background. We're actually asking them around the requirements we're looking for. So for example, if we're looking for an SEO specialist, we'll ask about what are your favorite tools that you use for SEO? So we're going into a little bit deeper in terms of their work experience. So they get to share rather than their CV speaking for them. So we give them a voice. So that's the questionnaire. Then we go into a skill test. So we actually develop out a skill test that we use from position to position. Now there's a ton of different skill tests online. We've just decided to develop out our own and it's really divided into hard skills. So if technical questions, depending on the position and then soft skills. So how do they handle leadership? How do they handle communication? We'll ask about difficult situations that they've been in and how they've gotten out. So it's really open-ended questions and they're able to share. Now, through those two steps, we're also looking at their character, their personality, how are they communicating? So not only are we getting the information that they're sharing with us, we're also reading between the lines. And that's a really big thing to watch out for is like, how fast are they getting back to you? How well are they able to respond? Are they giving you, you know, hundreds of paragraphs of information or can they clearly communicate and get to the point? So questionnaire, skill test, then we ask for a video. So for most of the positions, and not all because obviously some positions don't really require it. I mean, I don't need a video from a developer. <laughs> I need to get on a call. And those two first steps in a video is the most important, uh, is the, and the interview is the most important. But for most positions, and I'd say 90 to 95%, uh, we actually request a video. We provide a timeline. So one to two minutes, here are the three questions you need to answer. And it's fascinating because we're looking at, can they follow instructions? How quickly are they gonna record? How original is the video? How are they communicating? So we're looking at so many different aspects. And also it's a great opportunity for when we send all this information to uh, our client that we're hiring for, they get to actually see the personality of the candidate. And that's something we're definitely watching out for as well in the process. Like, will this person actually mesh? I mean, I know that's a bit of a rough word to use, but it's true. Is this gonna be a culture fit is this going to be a good culture fit in the business and personality is a big one so the video then there's a first interview with us uh, myself a hiring manager somebody on our team uh, and so we usually are looking at what is the salary expectation what's what are the motivations behind why they're applying and really take a deeper dive into that so we're kind of covering all our bases but also trying to fill in any gaps that the application has shown us so in all of the steps there's some sometimes things that are just threw us off a little but so we were going to fill in the story, trying to figure out what's missing, what's happening. And then from there, if they fit the requirements, if they have provided their CV, the case studies, if needed, the video. So we've ticked off all the boxes in terms of the character we're looking for, the personality. Uh, they've shown good uh, soft skills, hard skills, background, like, uh, you know, background experience of in terms of what they've done. Then only then they get into the final step. And that's uh, the final interview with the employer. If everything goes well, we usually do reference checks, which I always encourage. And a lot of people actually in the online space don't do that, which is fascinating. Um, for some reason, the corporate world, it's, it's a practical thing to do, but in the remote right. space, online businesses, for some reason, never do reference checks. But that's definitely a great uh, bonus aspect if you can do that and if you have the time to do the reference checks, and we definitely do. So that's kind of the step-by-step -step process. Yeah. So there's a few things I want to dig in there, but let's start with the reference checks just because it was the last thing that you yeah. mentioned. Yeah. So I know some of my clients, I even had one, they were um, a brick and mortar business. The person was going to be there face to face. So it wasn't remote. 
and we got to the point to doing reference checks and they're like what's the point of taking your time to do reference checks no one's honest and I was like what <laughs> I think they were to the point because they came now this was a smaller company but this person had come from corporate where they were known in corporate the corporate will go out to try to protect their butt and tell you oh you're not allowed to say anything but saying yes or no if the person worked there and dates and preferably refer them out to the HR department. You know, that's a lot of times that what you'll get at corporate is they don't want you to say anything from a business side, like representing as a business because they don't want the business to be in trouble if a lawsuit comes around. So I was like, you're surprised. Like people will share things. And we end up got we got a lot of great things from these reference checks. And the good thing for that was it proved everything that we had questions about during the interview. So for some of it, we were able to say, yes, this candidate is a good candidate because of XYZ. And we already knew that ABC were things where this person might have to develop a little bit more. Now we know that it's a definite because of the fact of these reference checks. So I love them. But when you, what, like, what kind of, um, especially because you say remote businesses don't want to do them, how do you convince them that they're worthwhile? Well, our clients, we do it for them. So that solves that problem. Um, but for small businesses in general, it's not that they, I think they just never saw it as an option. I think that's what it is. I don't, it's from the different conversations I've had, a lot of, uh, a lot of the entrepreneurs I talk to, they're just surprised. They're like, oh, I can do reference checks. How did we I think do it's that? that? <laughs> yeah, I think it's that. I'm not big enough to need to do that yet or to qualify to do that yet. Cause the same thing with background checks. Like I know a lot of small businesses are like, should I do a background check? It's like, well, why wouldn't you? Absolutely. It's something new for them because again, when you're in corporate, I think it's just a logical next step. But in remote businesses, as, as you said, it's like, oh, well, how do you know that they'll give you the right telephone number or the right email address and things like that. But what's interesting is you can actually do a bit of background check on the references before you contact them. So everyone's on LinkedIn these days. And so usually when I ask for two or three references, I'm also looking at, okay, well, what's the, what's the title of that person on LinkedIn? Does it match what they were provided? I've had candidates provide me with contact information and going in, I'm like, this person's a designer at this company. This does not look like your manager. Can you provide another reference? <laughs> so right. you can do a little bit of digging. I mean, it takes a few minutes to check on LinkedIn. So that's one. So definitely being able to show that it's a possibility, definitely doing a little bit of background check before contacting them, because it's true. It might be just, you know, a relative, a friend, it could be a coworker. And that's something we also point out. We're not looking for coworkers. We're looking for your manager, your boss, even if they don't work there anymore and all the other excuses that are provided, we just want to have a conversation. Now, just to kind of add something that I think is super interesting is a lot of uh, the entrepreneurs that I've worked with, they really struggle with what are the kind of questions to ask and how do you really get uh, information out in terms of some of the red flags, so to speak, as you said, that can come up during the interview and you're trying to see that in a conversation with the reference because a lot of reference checks, they don't, they don't, they, they're trying to be nice. I mean, we're, we're all trying to be nice. They understand that everybody needs, I mean, everybody wants to work. Everyone wants to be able to continue growing and learning. So they're, they're trying to do their best. Um, and in those situations, something that has really helped us, uh, and I always encourage entrepreneurs to do this as well, is when asking those tough questions, 
presenting it from the perspective of this is for the benefit of the candidate. And that has really helped. So for example, what were some of the challenges that you believe this person had or encountered throughout work that they weren't able to excel? Because when this person comes on, we're not looking for perfect, but we want to encourage and help them to grow. We want to provide courses. We want to provide guidance and training. So we want to know what are the gaps that we should focus on. Now, when things are presented in that way, from that perspective, all of a sudden, the references are more than happy to provide all the kind of uh, nitty and gritty of what happened and what could have been improved upon. So that has really helped. So it's all about how you present a question, I think. Right. No, I totally agree with that. You know, I even know, um, I haven't asked this question in a while, but just because it hasn't fit with any of the positions, like what we're trying to dig out. But um, back when, you, when we talk about people's uh, weaknesses and strengths. I was like, you never just ask people's weaknesses and strengths because they're never going to give you honest answers. It's exactly. the most rehearsed interview question out there. I was like, but we had a way of we were asking about weaknesses where we start off like, no one is perfect. Everyone has room to improve. Like, what is something you've been working on and improving on? Like, you know, so, and different things to figure out, help them be comfortable with admitting a weakness, an area that they're, they're improving on. That's actually just to kind of tie in back from what we were talking about. That's also plays into the, the space of recruitment. It's still very old school in the sense that even in asking the weaknesses and strengths, it's because the conversation is already quite tense. A lot of candidates provide those generic answers. And I think something that I've seen, and I'm, I'm very proud that we do, and that I've seen a lot of the entrepreneurs that I've spoken with and the online space is becoming more and more popular. The interviews are more friendly. Having a conversation of where are you? What are you up to? Uh, how's the weather where you're at? Just having kind of picking up on those little details that a person shares. Oh, you're from Serbia. Oh, I was there for a conference in Belgrade. I loved the people. And they, all of a sudden, they, there's this wall that drops. And all of a sudden, it's not about, oh, are you right or wrong for a position? It's about, I would just, we want to see if this is a good thing for you, if this is a right fit for us, and that it's a good fit on both sides. It's not about right. judging you or anything. It's just about having a really great conversation and getting to know each other better from an employer perspective of sharing and sharing about the role and why it's being hired for, and then hearing the candidate's perspective of like what their experiences are, why they're applying, and really just listening to them. So different approach, right. I believe, to uh, in, in the remote space, it's getting a bit of a different approach to interviews. Right. Now, you reminded me of this one time with a client of mine, and obviously this was for an in-person position, but I'll share the story anyway. I'm pretty sure I've shared it on another episode, but for this client, he was hiring personal trainers, and he was having people come down and do a face-to-face -face interview, and he was like, I just don't feel like I'm getting to know them, getting to know their personality, and and then I was just like, so we were talking more about things and I was just like, you're having people who wear typically workout clothes every day that are used to being in a gym, working out alongside their clients, coaching their clients and everything. Now get dressed up, sit down and have a face-to-face -face interview. I was like, talk about being uncomfortable. <laughs> That's, you're, you're taking them so far out of their elements in order to be, do this interview. So I was like, let's change things up a bit. What about having some sort of interview 
while you guys are doing a workout together, a really low-key workout, because you don't want them to be like jogging and trying to answer questions, yeah. you know, that was high-intensity workouts, but a low-intensity workout where you can ask them the questions and get that conversation going, where you can also see their personality of what they're going to be like with clients on the floor. And it just changed everything because now we weren't taking people out of their elements and they were having more of that conversational interview, still making sure they were getting all the information they needed to uncover out of the candidates, but it flowed so much better. Absolutely. I completely agree that the more comfortable a candidate is, the better you'll have an understanding of where they're coming from, why they're doing what they're doing, to be able to really get more information up front. Because usually all those interviews are super tense. It's so hard for candidates to be able to share, to be able to express themselves, their genuine selves. And if you find that connection, if you can make them comfortable, they're able to share more. Now, just to add on to that, something that a lot of uh, employers say is in the struggle is, well, I want to see them under a stressful situation. Like I want to see how they handle stress. And I've even myself, I've been interviewed and I think I was so, it was such a tense interview that I was shaking at the end of that, which I'm pretty good with stressful situations, but this person made me so uncomfortable. I had to like spend a few hours getting over that interview. And the thing is, it's, they missed out on a lot of information. I believe that they could have gotten if I felt a little more comfortable. Now, in terms of creating a stressful, not just stressful, but understanding how a person deals under stress, well, that can be part of some of the questions. So for example, with operations roles, we sometimes ask, okay, here's a real life situation happening in the business. We're, you know, uh, something around shipment or something's happening in the team and there's a, a big conflict and our project manager just left. How would you coming in right now, here's a real live business situation. How would you deal with that? See how they are able to think on the fly, see how they're able to express themselves. But again, when they're comfortable, they're comfortable sharing, they'll be able to say, okay, this is a high stress question. I mean, they don't see that, but it is right. because they need to figure out how to respond to that and respond well and be able to organize something on uh, in a very short period of time very quickly and express that their kind of plan of action that will give you a, a response to how they'd handle a stressful situation but not the whole interview of stress and tension <laughs> right no i get that and i always have to remind my clients that interviews are stressful for the candidates to begin with Absolutely. people are interviewing because they need a job to put food on the table and a roof over their head they're not coming in just for something fun to do so they are stressed out which means you know sometimes they're going to stumble over their words or like especially at the very beginning of the interview until they feel comfortable you know have shorter answers or stuff like that where you need to excuse some of that stuff because of the fact that it's a stressful situation and completely different than coming into a job where yes you might have a stressful day but you know overall what you're doing absolutely yeah i completely agree on that yep so now i want to circle back to um, some of the other stuff you were talking about before with uh you know video interviews and stuff like that so with video interviews you have some people that work remotely all the time. They probably have equipment to do very nice video interviews. You have other people that this could be their very first time we're going to be working remotely doing remote interviews and they don't always have the best equipment. So cameras might be a little darker stuff like that. Do you feel that it's fair to judge candidates based on the quality of, of the equipment that they're being able to use? So maybe some their interviews not coming through as well because they don't have the equipment yet. 
That's such an interesting question because I've, I've had to do even for in-person cause I, I started out with also hiring for in-person all over the world, hospitality space, like all of that, but I still had to interview candidates via video. So after like nine years of seeing all kinds of the stories I could tell, of course we don't have the time, but I do think it's about establishing what's okay and what's not. So for example, I don't need somebody to come in with a suit because you're working remotely unless it's for an, you know, a brick and mortar business. They need somebody that's going to be coming into with a suit and, and dressed a certain way. I always say, I mean, if, if they're in a t-shirt, it's completely fine. They're just, as long as it's presentable and they're not in pajamas. <laughs> so understanding where that line should be drawn, drawn is so important. So for example, as long as I can hear them clearly, their internet connection is good then the quality of the sound and the tech is not so big a deal because some people are just starting out working remotely and they don't have the tech and companies sometimes provide that. But then my line, for example, is drawn where they don't have the right internet connection and I can't have a normal conversation for the 20, 30 minutes that we're speaking. Now, if they can't have a normal, if with the notice that they've had, so they had a few days to prepare all of the, uh, all of the tech and all of the connection aspects of finding a place that they know is going to be, have good connection they show up and their connection isn't good and they're not able to present that I think is definitely where I draw the line and I think it it definitely varies from entrepreneur to entrepreneur it depends on what they need so if they need somebody who's going to be a sales rep and the connection isn't good or they're not dressed appropriately or they're not uh, they don't have the tech and the company doesn't provide the tech for example then that should be looked out for so I always say judge based on the things that are actually important to you based on how they're looking based on what the technology that they're using uh connection background i mean again something to draw the line some people have done it in the bathroom and i'm just like okay that is where i draw the line i i mean for example there are are options where i've had an interview with a girl in the closet I mean, literally she was, she was physically in a closet, but now she's been promoted to COO and she's been hired for one of her positions and she's doing incredibly well. It's a seven figure business, but she has a child and a husband and the house was loud. So she found the quietest place. And I absolutely had no judgment because that was at that time, the, the best that she could find when they were moving locations and all of that. So it's just understanding where that line is drawn. And I think when you have that clear clear in your mind what's okay and what's not then it's a lot easier to judge when you're in an interview and there's not really a guessing game around is this okay or is this not because you have that super clear from the start right yes no i totally agree with that i know some of my clients where um like the one candidate was interviewing in their car and the, the, my, my client was like, they're in their car. Like, why are they yeah, doing that? that. <laughs> and, and I was just like, well, you have to remember for these, this position, this is a first round interview of multiple rounds. These people still have jobs. So they're leaving their current job to do an interview and they might not be able and feasible for them to leave their current job, drive all the way home, do an interview, a quick 30 minute interview to then drive back to work for the rest of the day. Now for an in-person interview, obviously they have to make those arrangements to physically get to you. I was like, but for a quick you know, video conference interview, I'm like, I think that is excusable because it shows that they're still they're still committed to their current position that they're just stepping out to do the interview and then going back to work. 
That is such an amazing example because I think I definitely do usually draw a line within the car unless they communicate that. So a lot of the times, the, the people who I've had do, do uh, car interviews, there are a few people who were just like, hello. And they're just kind of like, I'm ready for my interview, no explanations. But I think it's obvious that a car isn't the most appropriate place for an interview. And as you said, there are circumstances. So I have had a few people say, I'm, I apologize. I only have 30 minutes. Uh, I have a job that I'm still, I'm still at. And that's why I unfortunately am currently only able to be in the car, but I do have a setup at home. Everything's fine. Uh, if you guys hire me and I'll work remotely, I have everything set up. That is completely great. If you communicate that there is an issue and that pretty much is for anything, right? With the internet connection. Hey, I'm right. sorry. Uh, can we actually reschedule? I'm for some reason, my internet's going a bit haywire. We all understand that as long as it is communicated. And I think that is where also there's going to be a difference between, yes, it's things happen and things come up, but can the candidate really communicate that uh, and able to explain what's happening and why they're in that situation? Right. Yes. Yes. I love that. All right. So before we start wrapping things up today, there's two more things that I definitely want to talk about. So when you're talking to a client, so it's a brand new client and they want to hire a position and they come to you. So obviously you do remote hiring. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had to tell a client now that you've described the position, I don't think remote is going to be the best thing for this position. You should probably have this person in your office. Great question. I don't think I've ever said that just because a lot of the, as I said, a lot of the companies I work with are online businesses and the ones that do come to me that are looking to hire remote, even though they have an office, most of the time they already understand that this position can be done remotely. So I haven't had that particular experience, but we've definitely had experiences where they come and the, it's not the position they wanted. So there are a few things that do that comes up in a conversation where they're explaining me this position and we want this and this, and this is how it's going to be called. And I'm like, this does not sound like this position. This sounds like you need this, right? So sometimes right. a client has a need, but it's really having a conversation and figuring out is that really what they need or potentially there is an underlying um an underlying challenge that could be solved in a different way uh and potentially right. it's not hiring that candidate hiring a different type of candidate and all of that so i would say those are usually the challenges that come up initially rather than uh, it's probably brick like it's probably an in-office job because most positions can be done remotely. In my personal belief, the future is remote. <laughs> right. Yep. I like, I totally agree with that. I feel like if the position can be done remotely, it should be an option. I know as I continue growing my business and growing my team, um, you know, eventually it, I want to have a brick and mortar location, mm -hmm. but not a requirement that everyone needs to come into the office, have a smaller location for when we need team meetings um, and but, but be open to people working anywhere else and flying people in when we have to have those like quarterly team meetings or anything like that. But, but yeah, it's like just the freedom and the flexibility that it provides. It's totally worth it. Absolutely. And I have found that when given, when giving the right candidates, the right people that freedom, it actually creates a lot more 
productivity. So people are actually more productive because they, if they, if a company has the opportunity to offer, for example, flexible hours, candidates are like, oh my gosh, great. I have to get my kids to school, but then I have all evening and afternoon to work. And I'm so excited because I can do this in the evening or, oh my gosh, well, I have to drive my kids at eight or nine. I, I wake up at five and I love waking up super early. And I have these three hours to be mega productive before I have to leave or even weekends when they're also whatever the situation may be. So I felt that with the right candidates, again, people who can structure their time, it really empowers people. People do feel empowered when they're given the opportunity to be remote, to express themselves in the way that they feel most comfortable. And it creates, uh, again, a very productive atmosphere, not with all companies, of course, that they can do that. But if that is the opportunity, it definitely has a lot of benefits to it. Right. Yep. No, definitely. All right. So the last thing I want to talk about before we start wrapping things up was, was something that I didn't really give him much thought of until someone asked this question the other day. And then you kind of mentioned something before about the, the time tracking and all that. So someone had asked in a group that I'm in about, you know, how do you keep track of hourly employees time when they're working remotely? And if there's tools, software and all that stuff for it. And then people came up and it was like, I don't track them hourly. I just pay per project. So not salary, pay per project and deliverable. And I was like, okay, wait, like, I think we need to have a whole conversation about this because like, you know, it's, you got to make sure first off you're doing things right when you have employees. And then, you know, you have to build trust with your team members. So making it clear to them that, yes, there is something out there that's, oh, I forget exactly what it's called, but you can pay by deliverable. I was like, but if they're an employee, you still have to check their hours because you still have to make sure they have min making minimum wage for their hours worked and that you're paying overtime. So you still have to track their time anyway. So paying by deliverable for employees, not, not really feasible. I was like, but then there's the whole thing of even if it's an hourly position, yes, there's software that you can track when they're working and stuff like that, but it's also about building trust and making sure that you have trust with your team members and nobody wants to feel chained to their desk. So talk us a little bit about that because now you're working with more people that are working in the remote space that have remote teams. And you mentioned, I think, um, I forget exactly how you mentioned uh, that paying by or like tracking by, you didn't say paying by, tracking by. So what conversations around that do you have with your clients about tracking productivity and pay? Yeah, absolutely. That is such an interesting question. And I feel like more people should be talking about it. Um, I feel like there are just certain stereotypes that people stick to. So for example, as you said, some people are, I track everything. There are screenshots. I think Time Doctor has actual like screenshots that happen as a person works. And it can be a little bit exhausting because I think in the back of um, candidates' brains, there's just like, oh no, there's, I can't even, what if I get a message? I can't even open up this message. What if it clicks in the moment where I'm looking at a message? It just creates this anxiety in my opinion where, and again, this is just my opinion from the businesses I've worked with, but of course it's different from business to business and that, you know, but it does create that stress. And I think that is something that's super important to take into account. Now, having said that, like I said, I do believe that it does change from business to business and it's all about perspective and also the intention behind that. So for example, if the intention is, oh, I need to know what my team members are doing, 
Well, then there is a trust issue rather than a actually understanding what, you know, where the hours are going. For my team, I've always had, and this is just an example, it's always been very open to as long as the work is being done, as long as things are moving forward, we understand approximately what is a part, how many positions is a part-time, how many positions is going to be a full-time capacity. But recently we started time tracking and we actually use Toggle, which is, I love Toggle personally. And the perspective isn't we're trying to, you know, track every hour and when you're doing what it's more from the perspective of how many hours does it take to interview candidates or how many hours do you personally spend interviewing candidates every month? Because then when we're hiring for the next cat for the next role to fill, we know which tasks take about how much time and then be able to anticipate the capacity and what we're going to be filling based on the different uh, activities that they will be doing, different tasks that they'll be doing. So it's all about the reason. And another great example is for developers. They do clock, for example, they have a client, so they need to be able to clock in certain uh, hours because they are paid by the hours. So there are really good reasons to why you need time tracking. It should. But if the reason is, I don't know what my employees are doing. I need to know, I need to watch all the screenshots. Well, then there's clearly, as you said, a lack of trust. I do also want to point out one last thing that you mentioned in terms of tracking hours, if they're working part-time, full-time, overtime hours. I know that is a very uh, important in the US, probably Canada, a lot of like UK, Australia, but all over the world in a lot of like European countries, Central America, uh, Latin America, it's a little bit different. And that's why a lot of online businesses, they built out their teams more on like contract base. And so that's not as big of an issue. I mean, the conversation still happens. Is this a part-time role? And then all of a sudden, if they're having more work being done, that this continuously should be a conversation that they're having. If a person is working more hours than they were, are getting paid, then the conversation should be, we need to hire, you know, a new candidate and all of that. But at the end of the day, it's a little bit more flexible in that sense, which is why my personal philosophy is as long as the KPIs are being met and that's clear and we're having weekly conversations and the work is being done, then awesome. Um, but, and again, that's because it's for my business and some of the businesses that I work with, but I would say that is all about the intention. Right. Yeah. I think you said so many important things there. And most importantly, the trust. If you need to track because you don't trust that they're working, then that's the problem. It's either because I would say you're not really ready to have a remote team and you need to figure that out and work on yourself of how do you get over what you have so you can have a remote team or you have the wrong people in those positions and they've proved to you that they're not trustworthy. And then you have a team issue, a team member issue that needs to be resolved. So absolutely. And just to add to that, I think what's really something that can really help in those particular situations is KPIs. When you have a very set, okay, here's what needs to happen on a team member level for the month, for the week, for the day, whatever that may be. When you have a specific understanding of what success looks like, then there really isn't a doubt regarding, oh, what if they're not working enough? What if they're working on the wrong things? Because it's very clear at the end of the week, have they completed what needs to be done or not? And I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that to really understand and define what does success look like? And that's where, when expectations are not set, I feel like that's where a lot of the confusion starts coming in and a lot of the conflict of, oh, are they performing well or not? Yes. Yep. 
goes back to expectations. I, I always say that you have to know what you want. You have to have those expectations set. You need to know them. Your team member needs to know them. So that way it is clear. Yeah. All right. Well, we need to wrap up for today. So tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. Absolutely. So um, they can get in touch with me through the website, letsremotivate.com. There is an opportunity to book a chat with me if anyone's interested to learn more about remote recruitment or need a little bit extra help with that. I'm actually planning a webinar very soon. So that's going to be on the site. Um, and I will be again talking about more in terms of the funnel, how to build that out. As I truly believe that the future is remote, I want to help more businesses, whether they're online already or not yet, but looking to hire remotely. Uh, I'd love to help more businesses and really help with the educational aspect. So uh, Remotivate is definitely something that we're, we're definitely going to be working a lot on different projects and educational materials. So please watch out for that in the future. Sounds good. And my one final question that I like to ask every guest that comes on the podcast, we've all had leaders or managers that stood out to us. Think of the most impactful leader or manager that you have had. And can you share with us one thing that made them stand out as a great leader to you? Yeah, absolutely. So the one of the leaders that really have stood out to me is, um, well, his name was Nate. Uh, we worked actually a few years ago when I was his operations slash project manager part-time. And the almost, I'd say the biggest thing that made him a great leader was encouragement. Encouragement in his leadership style, in the way he communicated, in the way he encouraged everyone to learn and grow. He paid for courses. He took the time to train people or gave them uh, resources to be trained. And even something that stayed with me to this day, every single week, he would have a shout out to one of the team members and be able to really pay attention to what did they excel at that particular week. And so it kept everyone really happy and taken care of and felt like you're doing something that's important and it's part of something bigger. So I'd say encouragement was why he really stood out for me. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for sharing everything that you shared today. It was a great conversation and thank you for coming on the Growing Your Team podcast. It was a pleasure, Jamie. Thank you as well. And that wraps up this episode of the Growing Your Team podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, and you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the Growing Your Team podcast so you can stay up to date on all the latest episodes and hear all the greatest tips from our guest experts on how you can grow your team so you can scale your business. And if you haven't done so yet, please consider leaving us a review. I would love to hear what you think of the podcast and your review will help other people decide if this is the right podcast for them. So once again, thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.